This is a big year. The Ohio Lottery's golden anniversary. 50 years of excitement, of growing jackpots and crossed fingers. 50 years of funding for schools, of changed lives and brightened days. 50 years of fun. And that is worth celebrating. So watch for can't-miss promotions, huge events, and new games that will make the Ohio Lottery's 50th year its biggest one yet. Learn more at funturns50.com. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Witness Docs from Stitcher. This is an historic time. This is going to be a multi-year fight. Why is it taking so long to get a screening test? It is not a hoax, it is real. Something that we have never experienced before. Wash hands, wash hands, wash hands. I mean, you're the scientist, you're going to have to tell me. Welcome, welcome to Science Rules, Coronavirus Edition. I'm your host, Bill Nye, and this is our special series in which we bring you the latest analysis and the science of this pandemic. We want to keep you informed, prepared, and calm. We're all in this together, my friends, hence the term pandemic. It's worldwide. As of today, May 12th, there are nearly 1.4 million reported cases of COVID-19 in the United States, And that number includes more than 81,000 deaths. We keep hearing about different drugs that might be able to lessen the effect of COVID-19. For a while, the president was touting hydroxychloroquine, and that's proven for some at least to be quite dangerous. More recently, people have been excited about remdesivir, an anti-inflammatory drug, which is the first drug to show clear benefits in rigorous studies. What I think we all want to know and by that I mean what I want to know is, what can these drugs do for us? How can we know if they work? How can we know if they're safe? Our guest today is Dr. Derek Angus, who is here to help us address these very questions. He's the head of the Department of Critical Care Medicine at the University of Pittsburgh School of Medicine, where he is overseeing a trial to get anti-COVID drugs to the patients who need them while balancing their safety and speed, the safety and speed of the drugs, I mean. As part of his regular work, he studies sepsis. That's your body letting bacterial toxins accumulate so that you poison yourself. He studies pneumonia and multi-system organ failure. Well, you know, that does sound like a lot of fun. Well, welcome to Science Rules, Dr. Angus. Welcome, welcome. Is it okay if I call you Derek? Please do, Bill. Delighted to be here. Well, thank you, Derek. Thanks for taking the time. All right. First... Everybody was talking about hydroxychloroquine. Now there's more hype about remdesivir. What do they do? What is the difference between the two? Why was one recommended? Why is not recommended? And all that. Do you have a summary? So both these drugs are what we would call um, antiviral drugs. And they're part of a whole slew of potential drugs that tries to stop the virus in its tracks. So, so the, when the virus. So, hang on. When something's antiviral, I mean, I know it, an antibiotic, certain antibiotics are effective against certain bacteria, right? They do something to the cell membrane of the bacterium or stuff. But there's no cure for the common cold. 
So uh, what is an antivirus drug going to do? Right. So um, they're trying to do the same thing as antibiotics, but viruses behave slightly different. In comparison to some bacteria that can divide all on their own, what the virus wants to do is get inside your cells. And then it wants to try to hijack your own cells, sort of internal machinery to help replicate then the virus bursts out and goes and infects more cells. So most of those antiviral agents want to get inside the cell where the virus is wanting to then use parts of the cell's machinery to replicate and try to interrupt that, uh, that life cycle. So, so let me ask you, the drug gets in the cell. Does it get an, is it intended that the drug gets in every cell in your body, or does the drug have a means to recognize which cell? So, to so, they're, deal all, with? so they're all different. <laughs> some of them are more specific, some of them are more targeted. Well, start with hydroxychloroquine. What, is, what was that going to do? Yeah, so, so there are different theories about the way in which hydroxychloroquine is going to work. But yes, hydroxychloroquine can affect lots of cells, and that's actually part of the concern that the side effects, for example, are that hydroxychloroquine has effects on your own, on the cells that control your heart rate. Um, oh, this is the arrhythmia. We that, heard that's right. Hydroxychloroquine and chloroquine, these are old drugs. They're all part of this family of so-called quinine salts which is actually the same thing you find in gin and tonic. It's why British officers used to drink gin and tonic and it would keep malaria away. But all of these drugs um, are only one class of drugs that we're trying to try to fix COVID. In other words, we're trying to turn off the virus replicating. So the idea is you've been infected, the coronavirus, COVID-19, is making your cells make more COVID-19 viruses. They're going all over the place. But these old drugs against this new virus uh, suppress inf inflammation, which enable. I'm asking, I'm asking, which enables your immune system to fight back. Is that how they work? So I would like you and your listeners to think that the solution might actually be a cocktail. Aha! Uh -huh. Oh yes, and and and, and I don't. And you don't mean you don't I, mean, I don't a mean gin and tonic. tonic. <laughs> Although, of course, that could be part of any therapy <laughs> in the stressful time for those of you who are not allergic to alcohol. That there, would there be we for go. just yes. you and me while we're having this discussion. Uh, yes. So, so I, it's quite likely that patients will need one drug that tries to stop the virus from shedding and replicating, and then they may also need drugs that interrupt other parts of this, what we call the pathophysiology. So for example, the host's immediate immune response may actually be unhelpfully brisk. And you want- Is this the cytokine storm? That's right, the cytokine storm. And uh, before we lose sight of this, what is the difference in the responses between remdesivir and hydrochloroquine? All we know about remdesivir is that we've got the we've got the preliminary results from an exciting trial that suggested it reduced the length of time in the hospital from 15 days to 11 days. 
We don't mm -hmm. yet have a large randomized trial with as good evidence as that from hydroxychloroquine. So the only difference at this point between remdesivir and hydroxychloroquine is that we've got an early lead on a rigorous randomized trial suggesting it would be helpful for remdesivir. Tomorrow, you and I may hear about a similar trial in hydroxychloroquine that might look just as good, and then everyone would go, oh, here was me thinking remdesivir was great, but maybe hydroxychloroquine is the best one after all. So what I'm hearing is it's absolutely without question, maybe. It's absolutely without question, maybe. We'll be back right after this. This is a big year. The Ohio Lottery's golden anniversary. 50 years of excitement, of growing jackpots and crossed fingers. 50 years of funding for schools, of changed lives and brightened days. 50 years of fun. And that is worth celebrating. So watch for can't-miss promotions, huge events, and new games that will make the Ohio Lottery's 50th year its biggest one yet. Learn more at funturns50.com. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. From muddy jungle paths to snowy trails to rolling sand dunes, the 2024 Nissan Pathfinder is ready to take you to some of the most phenomenal destinations on Earth. In a Pathfinder, it's more than just the arrival. The real excitement comes from the ride to get there. With seven drive modes, Pathfinder's available intelligent four-wheel drive is built for some of the most epic journeys. So chase bigger, better, more exciting adventures in the 2024 Nissan Pathfinder. Intelligent four-wheel drive cannot prevent collisions or provide enhanced traction in all conditions. Always monitor traffic and weather conditions. The plan is somebody's attacked by the virus. Mm -hmm. We have a, a test that shows that they have the RNA of the virus, the ribonucleic acid of the virus. Right. And then we're going to attack this, uh, we're going to attack the attack with an antiviral therapy. And what is that antiviral therapy going to do? So we're, so we're back to the cocktail. So part there of the we go. Yes. The cocktails. Yes. So, we're, so we're back to the cocktail. So the first thing we're going to do is to try to say to the virus, stop in your tracks, stop keeping on replicating because otherwise this thing just goes on and on and on. But secondly, by the time the person has shown up at the hospital, it's already been replicating. And it's already turned on the immune system. And so now you're, you might already be having trouble with breathlessness. And there's all sorts of cells that are already infected. And there's all sorts of mess with your immune system turning on. So we're going to do two or three things. We're going to stop the virus with an antiviral. We may well want to give something to damp down the immune response. Now, the risk there is that you damp it down too much and you actually make you immunosuppressed. But that's that so-called cytokine storm. And we're still waiting to see whether that would be helpful. It might be particularly helpful in patients who have particularly bad cytokine storms. In addition, you might have heard that it 
the virus gets in through something called the ACE2 receptor. And the ACE2 receptor is an interesting receptor. It does all sorts of, it's responsible for all sorts of cascades in the body uh, that relate to even how your blood pressure works and coagulation and clotting. And so there's a laundry list of drugs that people want to try to manipulate the coagulation system, to, min to manipulate ACE2 receptors, manipulate, I don't want to get into too much detail, but no, bouncing fun, cascades, though. like the kynecalocrine cascade. Oh, that's a great one. What you're saying is you have to balance uh, how aggressively you go after the virus, uh, how aggressively you go after the patient's own immune system. And that, to me, since we don't seem to know that much about this particular infection, that means that there's this risk. Somebody goes into the hospital, how much of this drug do you give them? How much of that drug do you give them? How much of the immune system suppression stuff do you give them? And how much do you not give them? And then let me ask you, in the big picture, who gets which one first? Who makes that decision? Guys like you? People like you? Two Questions there. The first is, uh, how do you do the balance? And it's tricky. Uh, you might want to measure little biomarkers of the body's immune system and try to titrate a little bit of one drug and a little bit of another. The problem is some of these drugs can last for weeks, and yet the immune system is changing over hours. So we probably don't want to do too much of a fancy cocktail in anyone other than the sickest patients. Mm -hmm. It would be really great to just get simple drugs right out front when patients are having symptoms at home before they even come to the hospital. So that What's would be a like, simple drug? Ibuprofen or something? Well, well who knows? Maybe we'll have, maybe if remdesivir, if... By the way, remdesivir, you have to get intravenously, right? That's what I was just going to say. Up. Yeah. That's what I was just going to say. See, you're finishing my sentences. Well, I don't mean to. I'm jumping. I'm excited. Maybe if remdesivir is as good as the original reports that we haven't, we haven't seen them published yet, but if, if, that's, if that drug has hit it out of the park, then it would be exciting to think about, gosh, could you make an oral version of remdesivir? Could you make it cheaply and safely so that people take it like Tamiflu, that they could be taking it from their pharmacy as soon as they have a clogged up nose, they'd get a quick test, prove that they're COVID-19 and take the drug and then never even get sick. That would be an ideal world. How does Tamiflu work, by the way? Tamiflu is also uh, an antiviral, although influenza is a different kind of virus. Our history with antivirals is not as good as our history with antibiotics. We actually have very few working antivirals. Uh, uh, Tamiflu is not great. <laughs> <laughs> so, but you have great hope for some of these, right? This is your business, is trying to balance what works and what might work. So my business is more working on, even if we have an antiviral, what else are we going to try? So I, my business is thinking about juggling the immune system and thinking about the, the host responding to the pathogen. The host is the human host. How can I help the host uh, make smart moves? And I have to be careful. 
I and my colleagues have hubris because the immune system has been perfecting in mammals for millennia and thousands of proteins and cascades turn on and then we're trying to go in and tweak one little drug at a time. It's, it could be tricky. It could be tricky. So it's humbling is what you're saying. Oh my gosh. You have to, you have to be incredibly uh, ready to believe that you've got it completely wrong. <laughs> oh, good. That's science. I've got it wrong. <laughs> Let's start over. So, but let me ask you in the big picture, uh, is, is an antivirus going to help people? Is this going to be part of the great big scheme for dealing with this pandemic? Is antiviral drugs of some sort? I think that uh, an antiviral um, could well take 15 or 20% of the problem away. 15 or 20%, a fifth of the cases would be reduced could in, be. A very, in a very good case if you had an antiviral drug. You could either say a fifth of the cases, or you could say that for the cases that are sick, um, the oh, hospital see. stay might drop mm. by 20%, or even the mortality might drop from, like, it might drop from 11 or 12% down to 9 or 10%. So hang on. Are you saying that coronavirus... Yes, I somebody, am. Yes, kills- before you finish the sentence... <laughs> It's as bad as you're going to say it. It kills 10% of us? Oh, oh I thought you were going to say something different. <laughs> I thought you were going to say, hang on, even if this thing works, if we had 100,000 people that had died of coronavirus, we would have only had 80,000, which is still a terrible. It's, yeah. like a, it's like a cup half full or a cup four-fifths full versus a fifth empty. Now, it, it's... Um, I would guess that the total mortality rate, including all the asymptomatic cases, is probably down around 0.1%. Of all the people who get sick enough to come into the hospital, it's somewhere between about 5 and 10%. And of oh, all the man, people who man. get sick enough to go into the ICU, depending on your threshold for admitting to the ICU, it's between 10 and 25%. Wow. Be careful out there. So uh, let me ask you a couple more things. How do you, how do you, plural, do these trials? How long does it take? Uh, how did somebody stumble onto remdesivir and what did he or she discover? And then why did somebody try hydroxychloroquine? And what, how long does it take to do a trial? You want to hear how it ought to happen or how it actually happens? It's up to you. You're driving. So because no one knows, no one has ever managed this disease before. So no one can be an expert. We're all learning. So you would think that you would almost want everyone to be in, in a trial if they were willing. Which would mean, mean everyone in, on earth, everyone in the country, everyone if, in Tennessee. It, if it were perfect, mm-hmm. if it were perfect. You know, after the first two or three weeks when you realize, oh, my God, there's a new disease, you would then like to mobilize the worldwide medical research community to sort of say, gosh, we have to start learning right now. But 
everything takes a long time to set up. We've maybe enrolled at best a few thousand in a trial mm -hmm. out of one and a half million. And then how long does it take? Well, it depends on how many patients you can enroll. <laughs> so if everyone was coming into our trial, we've already had 1.4 million. If we had put, if we had put 200,000 people into a trial, we could have already tested by now maybe about 100 drugs. Wow. And if we'd tested 100 drugs, we might have found five that work. And so compare that to what we've actually done. We found none that work or one that might sort of perhaps work. We've got a half. Yeah. We we got got a, instead of five, we have a half. So we're off by a factor of 10 right there. I do want to say it's not for lack of people trying. People are incredibly well motivated. We're just, we're just realizing it's just really hard to mobilize in a coordinated way the entire clinical research community overnight. You know, in a perfect world, we'd already have got through 100 drugs. Um, it just, you just can't move that quickly. Everyone had a day job. Everyone was doing something else. Mm. Pharmaceutical companies were studying cancer. No one had a COVID-19 platform. Department. That's right. So everyone was starting from zero miles an hour. But along this line, antiviral drugs, if I understand you, are going to have a role in dealing with this thing. And people are hustling to find which drug might have that role. Uh, and so it's complicated. That's what I'm getting. Yes, antivirals, their best role will be early. Early and, in the infection. Yes. And most of the trials right now are in hospitalized patients. So these but, are people already pretty far along. That's right. But the biggest bang for the buck uh, in terms of treatment effectiveness is probably going to be getting, getting to a drug that's safe and that you can take orally that would be easy to get at the pharmacy and take as soon as you have symptoms. That, that's probably the best role for antivirals. And this is before the mythic vaccine, which is someday in the future, yeah? Everything is before the vaccine that we will get there. It won't be mythic. It's just ethereal and <laughs> in the future. hard to see right now. Do you have some uh, misconceptions that you want to clear up for people about antiviral therapies? The misconception is that the antiviral will cure the disease. It'll just help. It'll, it'll help. It'll take the edge off. And for some people, if they take it very early, it means that they'll never progress to anything bad. But among all the people who are already in trouble, it's just going to take the edge off. They will still need all sorts of other things to get them through it. Derek, thank you so much. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us here at Science Rules Coronavirus Edition. My guest today, everyone, has been Dr. Derek Angus. He's the head of the Department of Critical Care Medicine at the University of Pittsburgh School of Medicine. He is a leading voice in this conversation about drug therapies for COVID-19. He, if I'm right, Derek, you are trying to keep us all healthy and safe for crying out loud. I'm surely working on it. <laughs> so here we go. So if you want to join the conversation out there, and I hope you do, 
leave us a voicemail. You all remember this technology. You call, the thing records your voice after the beep, you know that thing. Tell us about your experience of this pandemic. The number is 201-472-0785, 201-472-0785. As you know, I am Bill Nye, and my friends, this is a pandemic. This is worldwide. This is everybody on earth. We are all in this together. And now more than ever, science rules. Now, if you like science rules, coronavirus edition, and of course, I hope you do, please take a moment to rate and review it in Apple Podcasts or on Stitcher. It helps us out, helps us learn who's watching or rather listening to the show. It helps us uh, improve the show for your benefit. So thank you. Science Rules Coronavirus Edition is a production of Witness Docs from Stitcher. The show is produced by Stephanie Kariuki, Dan Bloom, Harry Huggins, and Corey S. Powell. Our editor today is Tracy Samuelson. Our engineer is Luz Fleming, who also mixed this episode. Peter Clowney is our executive producer. Special thanks yet again to Casey Halford. Chris Bannon is the chief content officer, the CCO here at Stitcher. And at Stitcher, everyone, science rules. And I like to leave you with these three thoughts. Wash your hands, wash your hands, wash your hands. It's very effective against this coronavirus with its lipid outer layer and the hydrophilic and oleophilic molecule that is soap. Go get them, everybody. We're in this together. We're going to get through it. Science rules. Thank you. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.